Hello, and welcome to the PPC podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Garrett Gerhardt. I'm the director of Emerging Generations here. And this podcast is going to be everything PPC. We uh, talk about the sermons, we talk about the future of PPC, and um, talk about things that we care about and we value. Today on the show, we have uh, Alfredo Delgado. Welcome, Alfredo. Hey, thank you, Garrett. Yeah, it's good to be here today. Yeah, and today we're, uh, so Alfredo taught on Sunday morning, and uh, he gave us our sermon. And so today we're going to uh, kind of break that down, talk more about that, maybe talk about um, some of the ways that we can apply that to our lives. So um, your title of your sermon uh, was From No One to Someone. So why don't you talk, maybe if someone hasn't heard that yet, uh, they weren't here on Sunday, tell us in maybe a couple of sentences uh, what that is about and maybe how does that kind of line up with where we're going uh, during the season of Lent? So yeah, so this is the second sermon uh, during the uh, Lent season, and we are talking about freedom, right? And the part that I needed to talk about was about identity, and the question was, who am I, basically? But yeah, obviously the title was from no one to someone, and it's because it will talk about the life of Moses, who at one point was somebody, and another, another point of his life was nobody. And so he was always in that kind of reality where coming from somebody to nobody, and then again from nobody to somebody until, yeah, basically that, that was his life. And is that, uh, uh, is that something that uh, we can think about during this season of Lent? How does that kind of tie in uh, during this time of the year, do you think? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good question, Gary, because, you know, Lent is a time of reflection where you kind of think about Jesus's life, but at the same time, you think about your own life and your own journey in life. And obviously, you are not going to go through the same uh, ordeal that he went through, but his ordeal helped us uh, to think about our own ordeals. And and one of them is we wrestle with our, our, our identity. You know, I think he also did in some in, in some ways he was he knew he who, who who he was. But in some ways he was always getting to know more about who he was because he was a human being, don't you think, Eric? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's in a lot of ways he had um, multiple facets to his identity mm-hmm. and and a human was the most new one and the most uh, unknown thing that he had to figure out about who he was. Yeah, well, that's a really good thing to say that he, as a human, that was new for him. Right. Wasn't it? That? Yeah. I mean, it was really new. He didn't, I mean, I don't think he was a human being before. So he's now embracing humanity, his humanity. Yeah. Right. right. So, uh, um, I thought the sermon was, was very, uh, very good, and I learned a lot of things. And something that I think that we often overlook, and especially some of these Old Testament characters that we've known since, many of us since a child, learning a learning an Old Testament story, usually coloring or a flannel graph, is that we just think of them as heroes. You know, they're, they're, they're the, he- the reason why we're learning about them is because they're the hero of the Bible, they're the hero of the story, uh, they did the right thing. And often they do the right thing, but they often come from humble beginnings. And something that was new that I didn't ever realize is that Moses um, had a different name. And even though that we knew he came um, from an Israelite background, uh, he really didn't have any strong identity any cultural identity. He was very uh, mixed in all the backgrounds that he came from. Tell us a little bit more about, um, I thought it was very interesting how you 
you spoke about him possibly knowing, or for many years, he was known as Hasin. Is that right? Like Hasin. Yeah, it's like Joaquin in Spanish. Basically, this is a is a theory that he was, first of all, oh, every single uh, baby that was born in the Jewish culture, it, it, by, by the way, most of the cultures back then, they have their own way of naming their children. And obviously... Moses' parents uh, named him somehow. And some of the Jewish, uh, you know, scholars and, and other people from that background think that his name was probably uh, Joaquin or Joaquin. Uh, and then obviously when his new mother, um, you know, the princess of Egypt, renamed him basically mm-hmm. Moses. And in Egyptian back then it meant uh, safe from the waters. And so that was the name that stood with him. But uh, yeah, if we were a baby of three months of age, I mean, all three months, uh, you know, of age. Uh, so how, you know, you probably have a, you probably already have a name, <laughs> right? Right, right? I mean, I don't know. Tell you, you something, yeah. Yeah, you really have a, I mean, you recently had a baby and you know, like a year ago or so. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, did you wait, I mean, did you wait like three months to name her? Or? <laughs> yeah, three months before she was born. Yeah, right. So normally, so people are normally in general culture. Some cultures wait. I know there are cultures that wait. You, you're aware of that too. But I think Hebrews back then they named their children normally at the very beginning of it. Like for instance, uh, Jacob's uh, wife uh, Rachel. You know, she was almost dying when she named her son Benoni, which means son of my pain. But then immediately Jacob said no. Uh, I would prefer to name him Benjamin, hmm. which is uh, means uh, son of my right hand. So at the very beginning, I noticed that in, in the Bible, at least, that uh, they were naming their children. So per- perhaps Moses' name was uh, other name, like maybe Joaquin, Joaquin. Um, but yeah, so. So maybe this sets up, um, like a lot of us, maybe this, this helps us create um, a character of who Moses was as somebody who probably... Uh, maybe had conflict in his identity, you know, and we see that we see a lot of conflict in the early part of his life. But then we think until he begins to have issues with the Egyptian, we think, wow, what a blessed life. The son of the princess, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to live in the palace and Mm -hmm. getting to live um, as the rulers of the land, as opposed to the uh, people who have been enslaved. But we don't often think about, man, that might've been really hard for him. I mean, to know where he came from, to hear the name Moses, but then know that his mother had a different name for him. And so that begins to, we begin to be able to relate to Moses. Is that one of the reasons why you chose him as as a character and begin to flesh this out so that we can begin to relate to Moses as opposed to thinking of him as a great leader at all times of his life? Yeah, so I can, for instance, give you an example. In my in my first pastorate, the, the very first ordained um, uh, call that I had, we have an, a person by the name of Carmen. Uh, her second name was Benedicta, and Benedicta basically means blessing, blessed or blessing, but blessed. And she, didn't, she hated that name. Uh, and, you know, I took in the challenge of trying to help her find uh, how important it was to appreciate and embrace everything that she was, including her second or middle name, um, uh, Benedicta, until she heard for the first time what does it mean. She mm. didn't even know. She hated it, but she didn't even know that. And she has, I mean, and she 
later on she embraced it and that was part of her identity struggle and I think Moses was having that difficulty too and we also have that we probably don't have a problem with our names uh, but we probably have an, a problem with being the second child being the what they call supposedly the sandwich child uh-huh. which I say in my sermon that I f- prefer not to call it like that I prefer call it to I prefer to call it middle child or something like that uh I believe part of our struggle is naming things in a wrong way. Hmm. Uh, Like, for instance, instead of saying the uh, sandwich child, I mean, why don't you call yourself the the second or the the third or whatever number you are in between, right? Right. And and I kind of suggested to say the middle child or whatever, right? Because that has power. Whatever you name yourself, it carries a power uh, in your psyches, in your mind, in your soul. It brings some kind of uh, impact, uh, creates some impact in your mind. So if you're called saved by the waters, you always are going to be reminded that somehow you're a miracle. Mm-hmm. And Moses mm-hmm. knew that, right. somehow, that he was a miracle. Do you think this is totally theoretical theology? And you can, you can tell me it's your opinion. Why do you think he never changed his name after he left Egypt? That, that's, a, that's a really good question, Garrett. To be honest with you, I haven't thought about that a lot, but I can tell you, I guess, I can guess it at least. Um, first of all, you know, if you have used your name for 40 years almost, it's kind of hard to say, well, why don't I change my name now to my original name? First of all, because he even didn't know, I believe, how much he really belonged mm-hmm. to his original family. The, not only the Hebrew people, but the you know his mother and father and brother and sister, right? So... That was part of his struggle, I I think, and uh, and if you notice when he's he met his poten- his wife to be, they said we met an Egyptian, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> right? So so that says a lot, right? They didn't say we met a Jew, or, well actually not a Jew back then, but a, a Hebrew. Right. They say we met an Egyptian. Why the way his spoke, the way he dressed. I don't know. There was something about him that didn't convey to her that he was a hero, but a, an Egyptian. Right, right. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so later on in, in the story, you know, we, we kind of, we see this connection of Moses and God. And on Sunday, um, you know, you, you told us that Moses wasn't able to learn who he is outside of God. He needed God's help to find out who he is. And there's a, there's this, you know, well-known story of God and Moses having this epic, you know, spiritual conversation. I need you to do this. And Moses is like, I'm not sure. Um, choose somebody else. But through this, you know, Moses begins to develop this identity that, you know, I, I want to be used by God. I know who I am because God has chosen me uh, to lead my people. So tell us a little bit more about how we come to know who we are with the help of God. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I believe that uh, God is no interested in uh, just messing up your world. <laughs> He's more interested in kind of healing your identity, healing your your internal, your inner world, because we know that we have a lot of things that are not in the right place. And I think when God comes to Moses, if you remember what I said, that the first thing or the first 
request that God that the Lord asked him is to remove his sandals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, because he's basically entering and stepping into holy ground and uh, that's a sign of reverence and respect to something bigger than himself right so he basically God is asking him to be aware of something that is bigger than himself it's not only God and God's holiness but also his own uh humanity and his own identity that is going to be exposed for the first time openly exposed and what is it when he is asking himself who am i mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know well god never answered that question i right, remember right, right. god said i will be with you right so i suggested last sunday that god is telling moses moses I know that that is a very important question to you. Who am I? I I seen you struggle for 80 years, basically, asking yourself, am am I a Hebrew? Am I an Egyptian? Am I a prince? Am I a slave? Who am I, right? And then, am I a liberator? You know, Mm -hmm. who am I? And then God says, well, I see that somehow, right? God's saying, I will be with you as you answer that question, Moses, but also I will be with you as you follow my my request to liberate the other people that they are also asking themselves who are we are we the chosen people really and if we are the chosen people what are we doing here enslaved right by pharaoh right and so is it is it a is it a movement uh is it kind of a a request from God to follow me and trust me um that who am I is less important than do you trust me? Do you believe in me? Do you love me? Um, or is it kind of a, a reflection question before we begin to follow God? I mean, is it something that we sh- struggle with and learn about um, as we move closer to God? Or is it something that he doesn't, re- it's, it's, is it a human value or is it, gosh, that's not a very good, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining this. Is it a human value, this desire to want to know who we are and not necessarily a value of God? Or is it something that God wants us to figure out with him? Gary, I actually believe that you are really doing a really good job in trying to figure out something that we 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 all of all of us have a, a great challenge to come up with words. Because I think the challenge that you have and I have and we all have is how do we name what we want to deal with or how do we name the very thing that we are dealing with and sometimes it's escaping our words and our imagination so I'm on the same uh, uh, boat so to speak uh, to, with you Garrett and yes um, I don't think in my personal opinion obviously right it's not a matter of how, what is more important the commitment or my identity I think it's more like hey why don't we try doing both as you discover who you are, you will discover who, what, what you were meant to do and to be. And at the same time, I reveal, reveal, reveal myself to you because you also need to know who I am. Right. So how do you see that, Gary? Yeah, so maybe it's, it's I mean, God is saying, um, I, I can't tell you who you are. I'm going to have to show you. And I'm going to show you through through what I'm going to do with you. And if you if you obey and you follow and you trust, uh, you will learn that, you know, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe not. It takes a that, whole that, lifetime. That's a, that's, a, that's a good way to see it. But also I would like to suggest the possibility that God is not going to tell him anything that he can tell by, that he can discover by himself. For instance, Gary, you, you have two children and two, both of them happen to be 
you know, girls, and they, they are beautiful girls, and uh, different ages and different different realities, but for them, right? But I guess there are times when you wanted to tell one of them something that that will be really helpful for them, but you notice that if they don't discover it by themselves, that will be disempowering for them. They will not be happy with with finding out that they could have done it, but you didn't allow them to. So it's the same thing from God, I will say. Uh, God is willing to give you something that you probably uh, can discover by yourself, but he, I think he chooses sometimes not to yeah. and say, hey, you can do it by yourself. I will be with you, but yeah. you can discover it yeah. anyways. I think that's a lifelong human quest mm-hmm. to figure out uh, these things on our own. So this is kind of a similar topic that uh, this weekend I'm taking the students away uh, on a winter retreat and we're going to be talking about who it is that God has called us to be in every moment. And, and I did some research and the Japanese have this word, akigai, mm-hmm. And it's it's basically translates to the thing that you get up for in the morning, the thing that makes you get out of bed and start your day. Can you can you repeat it, please? A key guy. Okay. And um, it's like the thing that you love, the thing that you want to do, or the thing that makes you most angry and the injustice in the world that 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 empowers you to to make action and to do something. It's like a motivator, something that motivates you to go out into the world yeah. for whatever the reason. And it could be, it could change over time. It mm-hmm. could be mm-hmm. a time in your life. It could be uh, your children uh, taking care of them mm-hmm. as a thing, or as a time in life that it could be your profession or a time in your life where it could be um, uh, uh, some kind of passion, some kind of craft, some kind of thing that you want to do. And through through discovering your Akigai, you begin to discover the person that God has called you to be. Isn't it maybe possible that uh, the Japanese word that you're using could be translated into the burning bush? Okay. That that was his uh, image for life that he will have to remember every day that something is burning his people. For instance, pain is burning their people that cannot kill their people because their people his people because his people was a chosen people and they were chosen by God and nobody can exterminate them totally right but you know the fire that he saw could have been that the you know the suffering of of the people of Israel or it could have also been uh that um even though they were under under a lot of suffering, nothing could really touch their identity. Talking about identity, they were realized, chosen by God. You know, it could be even be many other things. But let me just suggest that that burning bush was that very thing that kept Moses um, wanting to move forward and to do what he's supposed to be doing. Sure. Um, what a, what a powerful moment to mm-hmm. to have in his his memory for the rest of his life, that moment where God uh, so openly and publicly said, uh, here I am and, yeah. and I, I, I choose you um, because I believe in you. I mean, how, how do you forget something like that? I really like the last word that you use, I believe in you. You know, we we, we tend to say, we even have a creed for that. We say, we believe in God Almighty, you know, creator of heaven and earth and, you know, and everything else that we say in, in, our, in our creeds. But, you know, I believe God is saying, I believe in you, Moses. 
And I believe that you can discover your identity. And I believe that you will be able to rely on me uh, to do that. So it's kind of God is saying, why is it that that people wants to be something something else instead of choosing to be the very person that they they are about or supposed to be? You know what I mean? Like uh, Moses, if you remember when he talked to him, he said, "I am your." the God of your father. And then let, after that, he say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But pay attention to this. Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. But before that, he said, I'm the God of your father. That's a very personal thing that he's saying. He's saying, I am the God of Anram, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your father, Anram. I know that guy by name. Right. So isn't it God committed to our true true identity when he say i know your father so what do you think about it no i agree i think that's uh that's that's how god is he's he's um wanting to see huge things for his people and big things but he also uh knows us all individually and Mm -hmm. and that's how he spoke to moses and that probably was significant to him because um one of the one of the other things that I wrote down uh, from your talk on Sunday was that he was always a foreigner mm-hmm. in, in every place except maybe the first moments of his life. Um, after that, every situation, the first, you said it was 40 years in Egypt, 40 years with the Midianites. Midianites. And then 40 years leading the Israelites in the, in the desert. In the desert. All 40 years, he, he was a foreigner. Always. Even when he finally came back um, to lead the... Israelites, he had spent 80 years um, living in another land, dressing differently, talking differently. Like you said, he probably had an Egyptian accent, whatever that sounded like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter necessarily. You know, when God spoke to him, I am the God of your father, he's speaking about something that even Moses himself doesn't really know about um, and maybe always yearned to, to identify identify with who wouldn't want to know more about their their own family Um, but tell us a little bit more about why do you think god chose this constant foreigner to lead his people as opposed to somebody that the israelites even knew and respected well yeah so a foreigner right somebody who is who doesn't belong totally basically uh he was a hero but he wasn't because he was raised as a Egyptian prince, prince, right? Right. Then, then he decided that he would be part of the, his people. That you know, and he became one of them uh, before he before he fled, right? Right. Uh, and then he tried to relate to them, and they are not necessarily happy with him because you know, even though he does stuff for in, on their behalf. There is a time when they even tell him, who are you? Look at that, the question. Mm-hmm. Who who do you think you are that, trying to be a judge between us when their two Hebrews were fighting? And they even say, we we already know what you did yesterday. You killed the Egyptian. So mm-hmm. here we go. He's killing the Egyptian, which meaning that means rejecting the whole culture that raised him. Right. Right. And then now, are you going to tell us what to do? We are Hebrews. You are not. Right. Somehow. Right. Right. I, do you agree that it's kind of in the background? Yeah. Kind of what you're hearing is you're not, you, you, you kill your, your, your own people, the Egyptian, Egyptians, at least one of them. And only that you are no, nobody talking about nobody. Right. Right. To, 
to kind of mediate between us, that he left, that he becomes another foreigner um, immediately. He married Sephora, and he has his first child. He named him Gerson. Remember mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the conversation about naming? What did he say about Gerson? He says, because I'm a foreigner in the land. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Again, his first child is named Gerson, foreigner. So he has a wife. He has a family. He has a father-in-law. He has a great job. I don't know if you can think about being the assistant manager of your father-in-law with a large, you know, um, large uh cattle and everything that he had, even religious influence because his father was a, a Midianite priest okay. and all that. Hmm. And he still think he, uh, he's a foreigner. Yeah. He doesn't fit there. Okay, wait, that's three times already. And then God calls and go back to your people. And then when he shows up there, they say, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Who are you? He say, who am I to tell? I mean, what am I supposed to tell them? What tell them that I sent you? Well, no, but that's not enough. Who are you, God? And they were telling that I'm who I am. Okay. So he, he goes there, and again, they don't see him as a real Israelite um, to the point that he has to be helped and kind of introduced into the midst of all of them by Aaron, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. brother, right. and Mer- maybe Miriam somehow. Right. So, yeah, he wasn't always in a foreign And yet, and yet, somehow, the relationship that he had with God and with his sense of destiny, a sense of, of, of care for his people and for, and for people in general, made him the very, very guy that was needed to free the Israelites. So I think it's a really good point, and I think that really helps us understand um, sometimes our own doubts and struggles with who we are and whether or not we can be used by God. But um, as we end today, um, share with us a little bit of how you think um, here at PPC or whoever's listening and we heard this, you know, how can we take this and practically apply that to what we do every day and every week? And another thing is different for all of us, you know, depending on what we do, depending on where we live, who we come in contact with. But what do you think is, and, and maybe you mentioned this, I did have to leave early on, on Sunday to get ready for um, our guests coming out of the service, but um, what is something that we can take away and apply to our lives? So I will say that it's time to appreciate your humanity. Um, okay. You are a human being. Not only you, Gary and I, Alfredo, but all of us, we are human beings and we bear the image of God. So we are humans and to the point that God himself became became a human to tell us how precious, how valuable we are. So we are human. Number two, if you're a Christian, um, understand that that doesn't make you better than anybody else, but it gives you some kind of special uh, opportunities to develop your humanity in in a way that is more reflecting of Christ, God's Son, um, and that you don't have to choose between both of them. You don't have to be a better human than a better Christian or a better Christian than a better human. You have to be both, like Jesus Christ himself. Right? He was, according to our theology, talking about theology, he was 100% human, 100% man, uh, um, God. And, and he, he doesn't seem that he had a conflict with that. We are not supposed to have a conflict of being human, fully human and fully and full Christians, fully Christians. Um, and, and, and the last thing is, Practice your Christianity and your humanity with questions. 
don't be afraid of asking yourself questions and asking other people about yourself questions and ask God questions. Who am I? You know, what is it that you want me to discover about myself? And don't, don't be afraid of yourself. I, I was consulting with somebody recently, like an hour ago, and I was telling this person, I have a sense that you are afraid of yourself. Mm. And I have a sense that a good number of people is afraid of themselves, afraid of their own inner voice uh, who will tell them uh, what they really want to be. Mm. Uh, and I hope we can remember that the, as God, you know, to conclude, as God was telling Moses, I will be with you. And I told the church in Sunday that that means in Hebrew many things, but it could mean also I will be whoever and whatever I have to be in order for you to be able to discover who you are, in order for you to be able to fulfill your destiny and your your commission in life. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a that's a question that many of us have and a question that um, we're often either don't know how to ask or like you said, we're kind of afraid uh, to enter in to that kind of self-reflection or that kind of uh, self-discovery and who we, who we are and who God has called us to be. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. And uh, those of you listening, uh, you can go to ppc.church for everything uh, Placentia Presbyterian Church. You can find the podcast there and the sermons there. And uh, we hope to see you on Sunday. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.